Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Today, I, I want to talk through the end of this series, and so uh, how the devil steals Christmas. If this is your church, right, and you're planning on coming on Christmas Eve, I just want to encourage you. If you haven't got your tickets yet, there's only there's there's just a few tickets left in the in, in the 9:30 service, and so four o'clock there's 500 seats, 500 tickets. Six o'clock tickets gone. Um, uh, 9:30 there's 11 tickets. Um, 11 o'clock there's three. So some of you three. And then 8 o'clock is wide open. <laughs> Last I checked, we have 411 seats available <laughs> at the 8 o'clock service. And so here's the thing. We're not going to add another service till that one is, is, is full. And so I, I would encourage you, if this is your church, Journey has been built on sacrifice and doing what's, what's better, not just for yourself, for the church. Some of you, man, you should just... Maybe you got tickets for a different service. Just go on. You can refund them. Get your tickets for the 8 o'clock service, right? Some of you were planning on coming to the 8 o'clock service, and you're, you didn't get your ticket yet. Can you just go online? You can do it right now. It's not rude at all. Um, I'm encouraging you to get on your phone and, and grab your ticket. Some of you have tickets, and you're going to sit by somebody who wanted tickets, and uh, this is Philly. You can sell those to them. And so just scalp them out there. And so, uh, but we're going to have a great, a great weekend. Uh, I've been enjoying this series. If I'm honest, this is the sermon, uh, the, the topic that I've been looking forward to the most. Because I think this is, this is one of the ones that is the most free. And so if you haven't been here, uh, we've taken a look at the, the gospel, the, the Christmas story. And I said, here's ways. If you just look at the words it uses, here's ways that Satan is stealing Christmas. So we talked about how um, we, we're in the trap of spending the stress of, of money. And the Bible talks about how he's going to come and set us free. He's going to save us. And so we, we opened that up. Last week, we took a, we, we, we took a look at the topic of uh, joy. Uh, I said the opposite of, of joy, what is it? It's stress. He's stressing many of us out in, in the season. And so I gave you a few thoughts on how to get your joy back. Today, I'm looking forward to... Um, talking about strife, specifically family or relational strife. Now, I know not everybody in this room has a perfect family. Am I, am I preaching right? Not everybody's come from a perfect situation. Can I just get really honest with you? I already talked about you dying, so we're going <laughs> to... Some of us have come from um, families of addiction. Some of us have abandonment issues. Some of us have been abused. I mean, just, I don't know how old people are in this room, but if you're tracking with me as an adult, some of us have been abused. Um, some of us have experienced divorce in our life. Like we were, we were living and all of a sudden there was divorce and our family was shaken up. Like there's all different situations in this room. And what's happened is for most of us that have gone through this is it's caused Strife, which is the opposite of what the Bible teaches, which is, is peace. In fact, watch what Scripture says in Luke 2. I'm going to go back to the, the story of the, the shepherds. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, what is that word? Everybody tell me. I want you to say it with me. On earth what? It's like, it's like Satan was like, okay, what is the, the key words of, of the Christmas story? 
Joy, I'm going to give you stress. Saving, I'm going to give you spending. Peace, right? That word peace means tranquility. That that word peace uh, is outside of circumstance. It means having peace in the middle of difficulty. It's a perspective thing. It's an awareness thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's it's a perfect thing. Perfect peace, right? Okay, I'm going to give you peace. Okay, how can I mess up Christmas? Okay, I'm going to give you the opposite of of peace. I'm going to give you strife. I'm going to give you baggage. I'm going to cause relational strain in in your life. I'm going to use deep wounds in your life to define and dictate where where you're going. If you go hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 9 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And when you meet him, we're going to call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What's that word right there? That prince of what? Okay. I'm going to give you peace. Okay. Okay, what can I do? I'm going to give you strife. I'm going to allow you to see things as as your enemy. I'm going to help you to see things in a different way. I'm going to steal from you the message of Christmas. I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring you peace. I don't know what your your story, your story looks like. I I, I started studying it. And I, I just actually I just Googled um, relational strain at Christmas. I just typed that into to Google, right? And so and it just brought article after article after article after article. It's like people want to give their, their stories. Well, one story went like this. I don't have time to read them all. I got, I got about 10 of them. And so um, the one says, it feels hard to be a grown child of divorce during the holidays. Both my parents remarried when I was quite young and had more children. Not only has it always felt like my younger sisters from my dad's later marriage were much closer, it also feels like the family as a whole is closer, and then I'm an afterthought. The holidays make this especially hard since I know they get together separately before our actual family gatherings. As the only child from my parents' marriage, I often feel lonely, and I feel like I don't quite fit into the new dynamics, even 25 years later. Every Christmas, here's what I struggle with. This person said, my entire immediate family struggles with substance abuse. Here's my, here's my strain, my, my strife. I've complicated relationships with them all. My mother had a traumatic life, and I've learned to accept that she did her best, but it wasn't even close to being good enough to meet all my needs. At one point, I was sent to be raised by my grandparents when I was six. It caused a lot of abandonment issues, and I've had terrible self-esteem that I've learned to build up over the years. I've struggled with maintaining boundaries and keeping my family at arm's length. This past Christmas, my my mother passed away after neglecting her health for many years. It was intense and traumatic. I feel as though all the progress I've made in therapy over the years is now shaken. What's worse is I'm a new mom. My son was born, and my mom never met him. I don't know what your story is, but I bet if I started a website and I said, hey, let's share about our emotional strain, our strife, our our relational tension, I think we would hear stories like that. I know that because sometimes I do hear stories of people's lives and my jaw goes like this. You went through that? You faced that? You've experienced that? What do you do with that? In our world, we don't really know what to do with that stuff. In fact, uh, I read this quote by this doctor. I wanted to put it up on on on, on the screen for you. And the, the, the quote said, by the legendary, and I don't know who he is, so he's not that legendary, by the legendary Dr. Elvin Semrod. Here, here's what he said. Can you put, put that quote up for me? 
He said, when you're dealing with life, there's three choices. He says, you kill yourself, you go crazy, or you learn to somehow live with what you have in life. That's encouraging. <laughs> Do you imagine that message? Hey, let's all put on what we've been through. That sucks for you. I've met somebody like that before, and they, they, this is how they turn out. This is what always happens in their life. You, this is just your, your, your lot in life. You, you, you can either kill yourself, you can go crazy, or you can learn, learn to cope. I, I happen to believe through the gospel of Jesus there's a better option. I, I, I happen to believe that you can begin to decipher and filter and see life differently, experience a different power, have a different hope in spite of the family circumstances, the relationship circumstances, and the trauma that you've been through. That there's, there's a better way. And here, here's why I love what we're going to go to today is this is part of the Christmas story. Now, if you've been to a Christmas play, you've probably never seen this part of it. You've been to a Christmas play. Let me just explain every Christmas play. Every Christmas play, you have um, some kids or some adults, whatever, dressed up as, as a few characters, wearing shawls, dresses, whatever they called them. You have Mary, you have Joseph. In a real Christmas play, you've got a real baby, but they don't trust that kid or that girl. They give you a doll, right? And so you have baby Jesus. You, 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 have, you have the shepherds there. Um, every, every Christmas play has the shepherds. If it's a real Christmas, like a good Christmas play, you get some live animals. You know what I'm talking about? You get a, sh a sheep dumping on the stage, something like that. You're like, this is real, right? And so you get that. And then every play you get, you also get, who else is in, in a Christmas play? Wise men, right? Like they, they come, they bear gifts. Okay. So I'm going to show you the real Christmas story. Can I, can I do? And so because the real Christmas story is not without um, pain. It's not without uh, strife in relationships. And it's not without somebody being in the story of Christ wanting to destroy him. My question is not to you, have you had people that have had your harm in, in, in mind? Did you have people in your life that you, Satan wanted to use that to destroy you? That, that's, that's, that's probably across the board. Every one of us, we look at life, we can look and say, man, that person, they tried to hurt me. That person tried to get in my way. That person said this about me. Some of us, it's, it's, it's harder. Some of us, it's, it's it maybe not as difficult, but all of us have things in our lives or people in our lives. We go, man, that was a really bad part of, of the story. Like that was a, a, a significant moment in my life. And so I want to show you in scripture because the Christmas story is not without the, those, those moments, right? And, and so I want to show you this, this part of the Christmas story that I think we don't talk about enough, but is super significant in our lives because we all have people like this. And so I want to introduce you in the book of Matthew chapter 2 to a man named Herod. Herod. And so the Bible says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod. And so let me, just, let me just explain to you who he is. How many of you heard of Herod? Okay, you've never seen him in a play though, right? If they were, they'd be like, who's the worst kid in the preschool? He's not even going to have to act, right? He's going to give him this part. He just doesn't make it, but he's part of it. He's just as significant a part of it as the wise men. He's just as much there as, as the wise men are there at the time when King Herod. Some of you don't know who King Herod is. King Herod is the hired king of Bethlehem in Judea. He's not even a Jew. He's sweet-talked and bribed and gimmicked and, 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 and 
uh, planned evil ways into the kingdom. That's, so the Romans are, are the ruling empire of the world, and he has bribed his way into the throne. Anything you bribe and you lie your way in and you're sitting on a throne, anytime you do something like that, you get really protective. You'll do anything to keep it. So let me give you some of his, his highlights on his resume. At one point, his wife makes him mad. Anybody ever been there? So he kills her. Also on his resume, uh, three of his sons irritated him at one point. You ever been there? So he strangled them and killed them. There was a time that he, uh, when he was on his deathbed, this is also on his resume, and he's getting ready to die. The doctors say, you're, you're, on, you're, you're, gonna, you're, at, you're at your last. And he said, okay, gather a, a bunch of dignitaries, a bunch of leaders from Judea and Bethlehem, men, bring them in. And when I die, at the moment I die, I want you to kill all them as well. We're going to have a whole day of mourning. He is an expert at one thing. You know what it is? Killing. He's an expert at destroying. And so here's the thing about it. You ever ask yourself this question? Here's a really, hey, God, why did you give me the family you gave me? Out of all the times in the world, why did you put me into that situation? You could have done a better job with that, God. Okay, Jesus is going to be born at the time when King Herod is king. So don't you think to yourself, there's probably a better time he could have came into the world. Kind of got, maybe a more chill king, right? Maybe somebody who's not killing everybody. Maybe you could have figured that out. But God sends Jesus at just this time because this part of the story is really important to us. The Bible says that Magi from the east, that's the wise men, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of Jews? We saw a star when it rose and come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Were they happy Jesus was there? That's a big statement. You ever have a teenager, they say all? All of Jerusalem, along with Herod, is disturbed. Let's just be honest. They're probably disturbed because they're scared of Herod. Herod is that intimidating. The Bible says when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. And they say, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. They go on to describe a prophecy in verse number seven. The Bible says, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when, when it rose went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house. Now, let me, you want to mess up some Christmas manger scenes? And you walk into your, be like, hey, they weren't there. Just take them. Like the, the, the wise men, they weren't there. Because the Bible says they went into the house. Where was Jesus born? The manger, right? So we, we got we to start reading our Bible, y'all. Like some of, some of you, you've grown up in a church tradition, especially Catholics. You're like, I don't read the Bible. They tell me what to believe. You shouldn't. I can tell you whatever I wanted, right? Read, read your Bible. The Bible says they came a little bit later. Jesus is running around, drawing on the walls. He's a toddler, right? And so he's walking on water in the bathtub at this point, doing all that stuff. <laughs> on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. They went, they, went, they went and they found him. And the Bible says that 
The Spirit of the Lord tells him, don't go back. Here's where it gets really good. The Bible says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. He's going to try to kill him. So they got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt when he, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Now here's the part of this story that you don't often hear in the Christmas story. The Bible says when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now that part does not make it into Christmas stuff. Right? In other words, Jesus does not have perfect circumstances. Not everybody was for Jesus. Some people hated him so much they wanted to kill him. Some people wanted to destroy him. I just happen to believe that if you're honest with yourself, we've all had Herods in our life. We've all had people who were not totally for us. We've all had people that want to destroy us. We've all had people that want to get in the way of God's plans. We, we all have stuff right now that triggers us or emotional baggage that overwhelms us or situations we look back on. Some of us with deep-rooted resentment and hate. S some of us are imprisoned by it. Some of us, there's so much strain and strife in our life that literally it defines every Christmas. It's almost magnified right now. So let me just encourage you in this moment because there's something significant we need to see in this moment of Christ's story. There's something important here that can set you free. Let me just give you a few thoughts. I just started thinking through how can I encourage you, right? If you've been through something like that, right? Like some of you are saying, that person, they broke me forever. That relationship changed me forever. I will never be the same after that in my life, people who, this is my favorite one, people who have had that happen in their life always turn out like this. You ever, you ever been there? Like that's just the way that it is. This is my upbringing. This is my family. This is my circumstances. This is what happens. So I'm going to encourage you because I don't think it has to be that way. Anybody else? Like I thought I'd get a few more from the church people. <laughs> There's somebody here that needs to hear that amen from you. There's somebody that's where you were at a few years ago, and they're struggling with this. It's overwhelming them. They're convinced they can't get by it. They need that amen. They need somebody beside them to, to be telling them, it's going to be okay. Here's how I know it's going to be okay. I know you've heard. You go through life. You can kill yourself. You can go crazy, or you can learn to deal with it. But I've experienced a better way. Amen? amen. So what do you do in this moment? Let me just give you a few thoughts. Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one is this. This, this one's important. Write these down. If you've been here for years, I've taught you this before. These are things that are so significant you should, you should speak over yourself. Number one is this. You've gone through stuff. You've been through stuff. You've faced some stuff. It, 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 it's been hurtful. It's been harmful, all that stuff. Here's what you say. Number one, it was bad, but it doesn't have to be big. It was bad. These are so important. It was, it was bad in my life, but it doesn't have to be big. Let me just ask you something. How many of you, honestly, honestly, you've never been to church before, you've been in church, how many of you have heard very little about Herod in your life? You guys, all of you know who, like, come on, how many of you heard very little? How many of you knew Herod tried to kill Jesus and then killed every baby boy under the age of two in the area? Okay, how many of you didn't know that? All right, some honest people, right? Okay, so 
I'm of the belief you can grow up in church your whole life and uh, you cannot know that. Here's how I know that because a lot of you didn't know that the wise men weren't at the manger. You're like, what? Like it was a couple years later, more than likely. He he was was in a different location. A lot of you think on Christmas he gives gold, frankincense, and and myrrh. A lot of you started a company off of that that fact, right? (laughs) And so... Like, you think about this. This is such a foundational, massive detail of the story that seems so bad, but the truth is, it's not really that big. It's not what we focus on. It's not what we talk about. When we talk about Jesus, what we actually talk about is how the Spirit of God led Joseph and said, hey, get away from him. And they were always one step ahead of Herod's plans in their life to the point where he succeeded at every time. Every time he wanted to kill somebody, he killed somebody except for Jesus. I'm telling you, it was bad, but it doesn't have to be big. Too many of us are making the Herods in our lives the heroes. You're making them bigger than they're supposed to be. And let's just be honest, we're really good at this. We are good at blowing stuff out of proportion. Am I right or wrong? When somebody cuts you off, are you calm? It happens all the time. Do you ever learn the fact that maybe, because I'm just preaching to myself, maybe God wants to teach you a fruit of the Spirit, which is patience? Maybe he's giving you an opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe he wants you to give a little grace and lay off that horn. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they just found out somebody died. Maybe, maybe all that stuff. No, when somebody pulls out in front of you, when somebody goes slow, how do you act? Ah! And what do you think to yourself? It's justified. We, we are overreactors. Your food doesn't come in a restaurant. You start looking around. You notice tables that came in after you, right? Let's not, let's not even talk about how you got a steak well done and they got salad. It doesn't take long to kill a salad, right? And so, and you're freaking out and you're, it's been 17 minutes. You start looking at your wife, you start huffing and puffing, right? You start making a scene, right? You're our overreactor, let's just be honest. You've eaten literally two and a half hours ago and you could use a break, right? <laughs> we, we are not known as being people that are calm. We are over. We are overreactors. I remember a couple years ago, people were overreacting online. You know, that's a shocker. And the overreaction a couple years ago is people were, I saw model people say, hey, when you, when you do Christmas and you talk about Santa and you believe in Santa and you talk you know, about Santa, please don't post your pictures online about how much Santa brought your kids because if your kids got more than my kids, then they're going to assume Santa loves your kids more than my kids. And I just wanted to have a whole other conversation with the fact that Maybe we should talk about how we're lying to our kids. Maybe that's, maybe that's the problem. Maybe you should, maybe not. I don't know. And so maybe you don't give some stranger credit for what you've done. And so I'm just saying, and people are freaking out online. I'm like, this, or just tell them, this is what you got. Be happy. You get what you get. Don't throw a fit, right? Like it's just, but we're overreacting. Can you not post that? Everything is about overreacting. I'm just telling you, stop overreacting. Stop making what happened to you bigger than what Jesus did for you. And here's why. What you focus on always grows. I don't know. You ever, you ever been mad at somebody online and you go back to their page over and over and over, some of you three or four times a day to check on what they're doing? Does it make you calmer and love them more? 
Because what you focus on always grows. I'm telling you, some of you, every Christmas, you begin to focus on. You begin to talk about how bad it was. You begin to talk about how difficult it was. You begin to talk about how you didn't have that, your lot on life, your lease, all this stuff, your pain, all these things, all these things going on. And I'm telling you, I understand that it was bad. I, I, I get that. But I need you to understand that it doesn't have to be big. The problem is too many of you are giving Satan a bigger part of your life than you actually want him to have. Remember years ago when photobombing was, was exciting? I'll give you a perfect example. I'm in Myrtle Beach. It's summertime. I'm in a picture-perfect scene at a restaurant. I thought about it the other day. If you said, hey, what is your top 10 favorite dinner or lunch memories with your family? This is number one or two. I mean, just my, one of my favorite moments as a family. My kids were old enough. They were sitting calm. They were young enough. They weren't teenagers yet. You know, you pray, you, you know what I'm talking about? The only time that you actually, it's fun. And so, um, and so we're sitting in this restaurant. The windows are open. The water is, is, you can hear the water. The breeze is coming in. It's a perfect moment. I want to capture it. I want to take a picture. I'm not a picture guy, but I'm, we need to remember this moment. The food is good. Everything is perfect. We take this picture at this restaurant. Sitting behind us is a group with a family uh, 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 with, with three teenage boys, which was a prophecy to where we were going. I just didn't know it. They're not talking, they're just there. I mean, it's, it's different. And we go to take a picture. We, we get the phone, we're walking out of the restaurant, look at the picture, and in the background of the picture is one of their teenage boys, probably 13 years old, and he's like. <laughs> and the truth is, is my focus changed. I went from, this was really fun, this was really, like, I want to remember this, to I'm going to kill that kid. I want to laugh, but he ruined the moment. He took it from me. When I look at the moment, if I'm, if I'm not careful, I go back and look at that picture, what do I see? I don't have the serene, man, it was calm, the, the waves, it's all perfect. Man, no, I focus on him, and he becomes bigger than he's supposed to be in that moment. I, I'm telling you, some of you, you need, it's okay. It was bad. I get it. I'm not telling you it wasn't difficult. I'm not telling you it wasn't overwhelming. I, 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 I'm not telling you it wasn't fair. I, I, I'm not telling you it wasn't rough. Like, please, please hear me. I'm not being insensitive. I'm trying to tell you it was bad, but it doesn't have to be big. Number two, it hurt, but it don't have to work. It, it hurt, but it doesn't have to work. Let me, let, me just, let, me just, let me just tell you something. All of your anger and all of your age and all of your pain does not change the fact that it happened. In fact, all of that anger, all of that pain, all that bitterness, holding on to that, I've always said this, it's like taking your hand and biting it and expecting it to negatively impact and hurt the other person. It's hurting you. I, I know, I know that it hurt. Let me tell you what that hurt is supposed to accomplish in your life. That hurt is supposed to imprison you. That hurt is, is supposed to um, cause you shame. That, that hurt is supposed to impact you as a, as a, as a spouse and as a parent. That, that hurt is, is supposed to change the trajectory of your family. That, that hurt wants to take you back every Christmas. That, that hurt wants, 
wants to filter everything you see in life through that hurt. That, that's what hurt does. That hurt wants to be unresolved. That, that hurt wants to lead to a, a life that's constantly feeling weighed down, that's constantly in prison. This is how you know hurt is working in your life. But I want to encourage you. I know it hurt, but it doesn't have to be working in, in, in your life. You see, Satan loves it when the pain that you gained from the situations you've gone through begins to steal and take you away from the plans that God has for you. I know it hurt, but it doesn't have to work. And that's why I love this. Herod killed everybody. He, he destroyed everybody. He succeeded at everything except for Jesus. It, it, it hurt, but it's like, it's like God was trying to tell us, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you've been through. But if you trust me with this, I'll always be one step ahead of it. I already have a plan for it. I already have a purpose for it. I already have a ministry that I want to bring forth through your life because you've gone through it. I would say this. I would say at some point, stop mourning what other people took from you or how they got in the way and stop, start celebrating that they failed in completing the task because if God is for you, no one can be against you. It hurt, I get it, but it doesn't have to work. Isaiah 54 says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. I love the rest of it, though. That's like the, that's like the coffee mug part, you know what I'm talking about? But watch the rest of it. I love this. He says, um, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Not only will weapons not prevail, but those who accuse you will be silenced. This will be the heritage of the servant of the Lord. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ and you become a fully devoted follower of him, that's what the Lord declares over your life. It was, listen, it was, it was hard. It, it, it hurt. It was difficult. It was painful. But it doesn't have to work in your life. In fact, um, I started thinking about this. And so uh, before, before that I was uh, an old preacher, right? And I had kids, and I didn't have examples, and I didn't have life experience. When I would preach, I would, I would go through a scripture verse, do the hermeneutics. Right? I'm trying to impress you right now. And so break it down verse by verse, right? Make sure I'm preaching right. Make sure I'm staying theologically correct. And then I would want to put some illustrations in there, right? Some, some uh, capturing of people's minds and like doing what Jesus did. He would always bring uh, practical elements to ex explain spiritual elements. But I didn't have any examples. I had no kids and I had no life experience. So I used to get online and steal illustrations, and steal them. They were free. And so I just want to make sure. And so I used to go to this, this, this one place. It was called sermonillustration.com. And I would go and I would say, I'm, I'm preaching on pain and I'm preaching on perseverance and I'm preaching on this. And you would go to the P's and you would type in this and it would bring you to a bunch of stories. And then I would bring them into my, my, my sermons. And I don't go there as much because now I have kids and life experience. And so now when I'm preaching on strain, God lets me rip my pants the day before. And then I can show you them. And so that's, that's life. And so, um, but I used this sermon illustration years ago, and I've never moved away from it. Because this is it's such a great example from, from life. I found this. And uh, the sermon illustration went like this. It said, when dealing with perseverance and it, something not having to bury you, all that stuff. Um, it said there was a farmer with a donkey. So a farmer had a donkey. And the donkey um, fell in a well one day. All the way down. The farmer realized that his, his friend, the donkey, was in the well. And so he came to the well. He looked down. He heard the donkey. What sound do you think the donkey was making? Go ahead, show me. Right. 
me up, right? Crying. I don't know how they do it. And so he's crying. He looks down. He wants to get, get, get Jimmy out of the well. And so he's like, Jimmy, right? I'm trying to get you out of the well. And so he throws a rope down. He can't, does not have enough strength. He gets his farmer buddies. Can't, can't do it. The, the, the donkey is stuck. He's whining. He's crying. And the farmers get together. He's like, what are we going to do? We don't want Jimmy to suffer. And so we should, we should just bury him alive. He'll die quickly. If we don't do that, he's going to be in this well whining for the next month, and we're going to have to endure Jimmy's painful, um, long death. So the farmer, in tears, gets a shovel uh, with his farmer buddies, and they begin to take the dirt, and they dump it down on, the, on the, the, the donkey. And so the donkey thinks he's going to be saved, and then all of a sudden dirt starts to, to fall on him. What do you think he's doing now? He's freaking out, right? Freaking out. The dirt's coming on. And he's freaking out. And then all of a sudden, in his freaking out, he has an epiphany. I can do something different with the dirt. I don't have to get buried by the dirt. This doesn't have to work. And so the dirt falls on his back. He stops freaking out. And he starts doing this when the dirt falls on his back. He just shakes all the way out. No more dirt would come on. He would shake. As he's shaking dirt, dirt's uh, getting gathering under his feet. What's he doing? He's stepping up on the dirt. They keep throwing dirt down. They don't hear the donkey whining anymore, so they think they finished their task, but they just keep dumping the dirt on because they think he's dead, but he's not dead. He's changed his perspective, and so he's wiggling his way out until finally, as they're throwing the dirt on top of Jimmy the donkey, they begin to see a shadow emerge. He gets to the top. He steps outside of the well. He shakes it off, and he walks away in victory. And I'm just telling you, some of you have been buried in a well. And it feels like dirt's being dumped on you. But when you come to the Lord, you can see that dirt can be used for your destiny. It don't have to work. Let me just give you one more thought. This is just the the last one that I want to encourage you with. Um, It happened, but you don't have to hold it. So let me, let me, I talked about control last week. This is one of those areas real hard to give up control. Let's just be honest. Some of us, all we've ever known is drama and pain. We kind of like it. People feel sorry for us. We don't have to change. Some of us, if we're just honest, it's like an intention thing. Like, oh, you know how bad my life has been? Yeah, we do. We get it. Some of you, it's just, it's who you are. Like, it's just, it's literally just, it's just who you've always been. Some of you, you're older now, and uh, you're not the person that you thought you would, you would be, and if if you don't, if you hold on to that, then that gives you an excuse and a reason for who you are. So you're angry at the world right now, but the reason you can be angry at the world is because look at all this stuff that was done to me. I don't have to be a good dad because I didn't have a good dad. Look what was done to me. I, I don't have to be patient because I didn't have patience. I don't have to, and, and you, you're holding it, right? And I just want to encourage you for, for, for a second. I want to encourage you with this thought. It, listen, it happened. In fact, we did a whole sermon series a couple years ago called It Happened. It happened. We're not, we're not denying that stuff. We're not, we're not reality deniers that journey. Some of you have experienced some ridiculously traumatic, painful stuff. In fact, I think more than not have. I know that because I hear stories from time to time. So what we're not saying is wasn't a big deal. What we're not saying is it wasn't bad. What we're not saying is uh, it wasn't difficult. What we're not saying is it wasn't hard. What we're not saying is it wasn't fair. Like, I, I, that's, not, that's not the heart of the message. 
The heart of the message is that was all true, but you don't have to hold it. Do you imagine the rest of Jesus' life, every sermon that he started, he would be like, hey, Herod tried to kill me when I was two years old and I was displaced and I had to go live in Egypt and take him back to the Old Testament. Egypt wasn't super kind to my people. This was a really bad life. Okay, let's take an offering. Let's go home. That was never part of his, of his sermon. He never even mentioned it again. It was never a focus of his life. He realized that Herod had or failed in his life, that, he, that Herod wasn't in control of his life, that Herod wasn't bigger than God in his life, his heavenly father. And so I think he let it go. And I'm telling you, some of you in this place, it's okay to say it happened, but it doesn't have to hold you. You can let it go. Hey, eight days from now, it's going to be Christmas Day, right? Favorite tradition of Christmas Day. When you're done opening presents, when you're done eating, you go lay somewhere and you turn on TBS or TNT, one of those stations. What's on that station? What is it? Okay, some of you younger people have never seen it. It's one of the best movies ever. You have 24 hours to watch it, right? And uh, on Christmas Day. And so we'll go and watch. My favorite, one of my favorite traditions is um, you watch a little bit of it, you fall asleep, and you wake back up, and it's right back at the same spot. <laughs> By the end of Christmas, you've watched the whole movie. Okay. In that movie, there's a, there's a, there's a, a couple sons and a dad. And the, the dad's, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's the kind of, you don't know if he's nice or loving. You don't really know what he is, right? This one part I think you see his real character in is uh, they open up presents on, on, in the morning. Remember, he wanted the, the Red Rider, uh, the BB gun, and so his dad surprised him with that. So you see this, this, this guy who's kind of cold-hearted. You see his actual love for his kids. But there's this one moment, um, this one moment where his son opens up a present from, from their aunt, Ruthie, I think it was, and it's that pink costume. You know what I'm talking about? Bunny costume. And his mom makes him put it on. And they laugh at him, which I honestly, I'm thinking, this is every parent's right. And they have this moment, and he's miserable. His whole Christmas is being impacted by that bunny suit. And what does his dad say? You want to take it off? Ralph shakes his head. And he goes, take it off. And he runs up the stairs, and his dad gives him the opportunity to be released from that hideous pink bunny costume. And I'm just, I think the same thing is here today. Through Christ... The same opportunity is here. Do do you want to spend the rest of your life in anger? Do you want to spend the rest of your life in bitterness? Do you want to spend the rest of your life being defined uh, by what they did to you? Do do you want to spend the rest of your life being in prison by by the impact of a decision of somebody else, by the brokenness of somebody else? Okay, hold on to it. That's your right. Let me tell you something. God can't heal what you don't let go of. He did not send his son to this earth to die on a cross for our sins, to conquer death, sin, and the grave so that you could struggle the rest of your life because of the decisions and the impact of somebody else. You can live your life in response to what's been said and done to you, or you can live your life in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I understand it hurt. You can let it go. I wish I had more time I would talk about forgiveness. It's powerful. It takes courage. Um, it takes strength. It, 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 it takes the power of God in your life to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this go, and I'm going to let God be God in my life. There's freedom that happens. 
there's restoration that happens, there's joy that happens. Some of you, that very thing that, that you went through in your life, when you give it back to God and you let him control it, he's gonna use it for his good through your life. He's gonna bring things out of you that you don't even know were in there and they're gonna be birthed out of the hurt and the pain that you've gone through. But you gotta let it go. You wanna give yourself a Christmas present? You don't need any more Gucci stuff. You don't, you don't, you, you don't need, no, uh, let me stop coming back and stop. Uggs, you don't need any more Uggs. Any more Carhartt stuff, any more guns. You don't need, you don't need any more food, right? Just, just, just admit it. What you do need is freedom, and freedom is found in Jesus. Why did Jesus go through this? To show us. And everybody has people like that, this in their life. These people don't determine who we are. It was bad, it's not big. It hurt, it doesn't have to work. I'm not gonna hold it anymore. I'm gonna give it to Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? And would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? I had the Spirit of the Lord tell me this years ago. And I want you to listen to this statement. But I think a lot of us, without even knowing it, we've idolized what God wants us to fossilize. And I love that word because a fossil is not um, an argument that something didn't exist. It, it was there. That's proof. It's, it's not an argument that you didn't go through pain. You, you did. But that pain is, is, is gone. It's, it can be healed. You can be made whole. You can have freedom. Um, you can gain purpose. You can be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord. You can begin to proclaim over yourself, no weapon that's been forged against me is going to prosper. If God is for me, there's no one that can be against me. If I felt like something was taken from me, it's because I didn't need it. Because God will give me everything that I need to accomplish who I'm supposed to be in him. And I'm telling you, there's a real peace you can have. Peace does not change the situation that you were in. Peace transforms your perception. The peace that surpasses all understanding is found through Jesus Christ. You can give up control. If you think about it, with every head bowed and every eye closed, um, what Herod was most concerned with was losing control, which is the heart of Satan. And so today, Satan is enjoying being in control of your life. He thrives there. He loves that you're angry. He loves that you're bitter. He loves that you're resentful. He loves that you're impacted. And I'm going to tell you what my wife tells me. There's times I got to get a good wine session. Anybody else? And I'll start whining about life. And I don't know if I can do this. And I'm 44. It's not fair. Life's going too fast. And I don't know this. And I don't know that. And I don't know if I can preach every week. I don't think I can do this for 20 more years. Maybe we should do something else. And here's what my wife tells me every time. She says, are you going to let Satan win? I hate when she says this. Do you really want Satan to win? And every time it makes me mad. And it gets me refocused on my assignment. It gets me re-energized. It, it, it brings healing and soothing to my soul, and I keep going. And I'm telling you right now, some of you here, you're holding it, and I'm telling you, do you really want Satan to have his way in your life? 
do you really want him to have that impact? Do, do you really want him to steal your joy? Do, do you really want him to impact generation after generation after generation? That's family curse, by the way. What you don't heal, you pass to somebody else. What you don't give, give uh, to the Lord, what you don't experience freedom, that, that prison that you struggle with, when you, don't, when you don't get healed from that, you just pass it on to the next person. Do you really want Satan to win in your life? If your answer is no, you call in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, I give you control of my life. That's salvation. I want a relationship with you. I can't do it on my own anymore. And the Bible says when you call, he'll answer. So you say, what am I calling to? You're calling to a God that loves you, that sacrificed his life for you. That took the nails in his hands and in his ankles. That hung on a cross. That was scorned and filled with shame. That was abused. That was neglected. That was abandoned. He did all that for you and me. That same Jesus was put in a tomb. They sealed it. They thought he was dead. The Bible says on the third day he rose in power and he defeated both death, sin, and hell. And now it's through this truth that all men, the Bible says, that all people may be saved. For if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you would give him permission to be God. I give up control. When you call on his name, he'll hear and he'll respond. It's as simple as that. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. Some of you right now, I want you to just be honest. There's somebody in my life right now. I can't even name them. It's so, it's so central to who I am, but I'm going to let it go right now. I'm going to give God control. I'm going to stop filtering it through lies. I'm going to stop making it bigger than it's supposed to be. I'm going to stop letting it work in my life. I'm going to stop holding it. I'm going to let it go. Others of you in this room, you say, you know what? My entire life, my entire life has been impacted by everyone besides Jesus. But today, I believe what you, you say. I know Jesus is real. I can feel him knocking on the door of my heart, and I want a relationship with him. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Young or old, been here for years. This is your first Sunday you've ever been here. Montgomeryville, Phoenixville, even online. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you not to think about the person to your right or left. Just you, just God. Are you honest enough? Are you honest enough to say, my life is not what I thought it would be. My life has been defined by other people. And today, I want to give up control. And I want my entire life to be defined by God's love. God's forgiveness and God's grace through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you can have my life. Simple as that. If that's you all over this house in Montgomeryville online and you would say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know Christ, but I need to. Unashamedly, that's you. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, I need that today. I'm letting go. I'm walking in hope. I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in victory. Maybe you're in Montgomeryville. You would say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know Christ, but I need to. Uh, maybe you're in line. I see a hand right here. Maybe you're online. And as we clap here, uh, maybe you're watching in the, in the chat right there and you would just say, hey, hey, that, that's me. You can't, even, you can't even see me. We can't even talk, right? But you don't know who's behind that computer screen, but you know you need, you need life. You need life to the full. Right there in that chat, you just type out, that's me, all over this house. If that's you, would you pray with me? Uh, together, let's, let's say this. Say, Jesus Christ, today I give up control of my life. I'm letting go of everything that I've been holding on to and I'm grabbing a hold of you. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you.
you can have it all. And as we say something simple as that, I want you all over this place, I want you to think about the people that you, you, you blame. You know what I'm talking about? People that you blame, the people that are really big in your life, the people that seem to get in your way, the people that have impacted you, all those things. And I want, to, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to confess truth over your life, that all those things were hurtful, but they're not big in my life. That Jesus, you're my savior, you're my Lord, you're my comfort, you're my guide, you're my wisdom, you're my director, you're in control of who I am. God, you can use my past for good. God, my future is secure in you. And from this day forward, I'm never turning back. I release so-and-so, I, I, I give you that situation, I, I give you that pain that I've been carrying around in my life, I give you that issue, Jesus, you can have it all right now. I submit to your authority, to your will, and to your way. And as you pray something like that, freedom, right now, freedom is released in this room. F freedom, there's, there's, you're going to leave this place a different person. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for all that you've done here today and all that you've done in 2023. Lord, we love you. We love being in your presence. We love your word. We love watching you change people forever in this room. Let this never get old to this church. Lord, this is why we do church. In Jesus' name that we pray all over our houses. Would you shout amen? Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.